Uh, it's good to, to see you guys uh, here today. Uh, today, uh, last week we ended a series on Nehemiah, and today um, I had like a great plan going. I mean, a really super plan. If you don't know about me, I'm like OCD organized. Like I feel, like I pray at the end of um, the previous year, I pray for what God wants to speak into the life of our church for the whole year. And I just kind of go into a deep zone and just let the Lord speak for several weeks to a month. I prepare on what the whole next year is going to look like and just what God's doing in the life of our church, what he's speaking to us as disciples to go out and fulfill the mission and what God's doing in the life of our church. And I pray for that. And uh, sometimes he gives me like, you know, 75% of what's going to happen. And then there's all this, the rest that he kind of gives along the way. Well, I had a great series planned. I mean, I had the whole thing outlined for what we were going to be doing um, three, at least three of the weeks of this month. We're going to have Pastor Ismail from Kenya, uh, an orphanage we support there. He's going to be with us next week, so you don't want to miss Pastor Ismail. They call him Pastor Smile because he's just, he's just a good dude to be around. I mean, just you, you become his, like his brother from another mother immediately, so, um, or his sister from another mister. Um, and so we're going to, um, you guys have heard that one, right? Um, so I, I had this great kind of plan of where we were going, but, um, about 36 hours ago, I felt the Lord just stop me in my tracks. I mean, the notes were all ready. It was in the system, the notes on everything online, the whole deal. And I just felt the Lord just saying, got a different plan for what you were going to share this Sunday. And so, uh, he's breaking me out of my super organized box and, uh, I just felt the Lord gripping my heart and just wanting to speak from my heart to yours. And so uh, just on the topic of fear and um, that I think many of us deal with far more than what we actually realize or think about. And uh, it's kind of that time of year now where like fear is kind of celebrated and really get excited about it. And some of you guys are horror flick people. I've never been into it. Um, and uh, it's that time of the year where every commercial that comes on is like super creepy, like demonic clowns. Or it's like the, the theme park attractions that make you pee your pants, you know, where you pay to get your, you know, pants wet. And um, <laughs> she's always weird, like, I'll pay you and you make me wet my pants and embarrass myself. There is actually this haunted house up in Canada, uh, happened years ago. And you know how, like, when you go down, um, like, Splash Mountain, they, like, catch your picture? Right, so there is, this, um, there is this haunted house in Canada that they had one of those when they scared people. And it's called Bros and Haunted Houses. And it's just hilarious. So we can just enjoy some laughter for a moment. This is bros going through. Dad is like not looking. He's choosing not to look in the back. Let's keep going. I got a bunch of them here. They're just really funny. Um, they're just they're literally grabbing. The one dude's literally falling on the girl. Bros in haunted houses. Let's keep going. There's a bunch of them here. Oh, let's see. Oh, the dude is literally crying. I wonder how much he paid for that. I wonder how much he paid for that. Keep it rolling, man. Keep it rolling. Absolute terror and fear. That's good stuff. Keep it rolling, man. That face. The finger. The finger is so intense. I don't know what was happening there. Keep going. Grabbing each other's shirt. They're looking down at something. There is something terrifying. Keep it rolling and we'll probably quit here. The dad is the one. They're in the front. That face is priceless. Keep it rolling. A couple more. I feel like that kid has a movie career if he wants one. That's a good enough scared face that he could make a lot of money from that. 
Scary Movie 12, he can be in that. They're all losing their pants. That's awesome. I think it's probably one or two more. Yeah, hiding behind them. Is there one more? I don't know how many. Is that the last one? All right, let them roll. All over each other. After a while, scared face is a scared face, right? That's a good one right there. That's a good one to hit on. <laughs> Burrows and haunted houses. And so um, the, the things that, that are scariest in life aren't really uh, the things that aren't real, uh, but it's the stuff that, that is real, that's very real. Um, the truth of the matter that we, we don't think a lot about our fears, um, but all, all of us have them, all of them, whether it's a fear of dying or a fear of flying, a fear of being alone or a fear of being around a lot of people. <laughs> We've all got them. We've all got them. And the good news is that the scriptures t- teach a ton about fear, and they share a lot about fear. You got a note card. Uh, at least most of you did. I want you just as we begin, and we're not going to deal with it, but I want you just to take a moment and just recognize as we go forward in this message, what the greatest fear, and if it's spiders and you're dealing with that fear of spiders every single day, then don't walk to that door because I think there's a spider over there. Um, <laughs> no, but if, if you, whatever that fear is you're wrestling with on a daily basis, there's a few more note cards up here. Someone can come grab them if you need them. But just write that down. Write down what that fear is that you're, you know, if you were just honest with yourself today, you're not going to have to show this. You're not going to have to say it out loud today. But I just want you to mentally just jot down, this is honest fear. Uh, I'm fearful that my family's not going to make it financially. I'm fearful I'm going to get fired any day. I'm afraid to be alone. I'm, you name it, you name it, you know what it is. You know what you deal with on a daily basis. And the truth of the matter is that the scriptures teach a ton about fear. A ton about fear. Um, some of you have to deal with those fears to come to church. Some of you have to deal with those fears when we say mingle, you know. Um, some of you have to deal with those fears every day when you face your mom or your dad or your employer. You have to deal with those fears. Scriptures teach a ton about it. About 110 times in Scripture, we find the phrases, fear not, do not be afraid, do not fear. 110 times we find that phrase in Scripture. And many times it's followed by, because I'm with you. Fear not, because I'm, I'm with you. So we're going to talk a little more about that. So 110 times it says that. It says, do not be afraid, do not fear, fear not. And there's another 40 times that say, fear the Lord. So, fear not, but fear God. So, I mean, just to sum up what all, like, the times in Scripture, kind of what they say, is fear nothing except God. Which, that, that's, I think we can have an understanding of that. Some of us have a skewed perspective of what it means to fear God. And it really means to have an ultimate reverence. We're, we fear the Lord, but we're not afraid of the Lord, if that makes sense. Particularly when we're in Christ. We cast out that fear. That's what we find in 1 John 4. And I think this scripture takes all of our understanding about fear and our love and the grace that we've received through Jesus and relationship we received through Jesus, and it just crystallizes this kind of understanding about fear. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect or complete in love. That as we get closer with Jesus, as we 
understand the greatness and sovereignty of our God. And we understand not just his, um, his great power, but his great compassion. Both and, not just one or the other. We begin to know the heart of God. We have an opportunity um, to receive that God is love, all right? But here, we're supposed to fear God. And, and uh, an ultimate, what, and I guess the easiest way to put this, and that I usually explain it, is that the ultimate fear of God is also the perfect love of God. That when I reverence God and honor God to the highest place, I'm, I'm, I'm loving him. And, and the, the, the emotion of fear um, is kind of overcome. And I don't live in fear of God, but I walk in love of God. And, I, and I, I operate out of that love, not out of that fear. Though that fear is always there, we don't have to be afraid. Does that make sense? Are you guys tracking with me a little bit? So maybe it'll make a little more sense as we continue. So I just want to unpack this and these fears that we're dealing with. And it's so funny that God calls me to do this, and someone, I was just talking to someone and saying, hey, God, kind of throwing me a curveball here, and I'm kind of going a different direction than what I thought. And uh, they're like, yeah, you're kind of having to face that fear, right? And I'm like, gosh, man, I didn't think about it until right now. Thanks. Thanks for reminding me. Um, of just because I'm so used to being organized, and God sometimes calls us to step out of that, that we might find that faith and that strength in his love. And so I want to go to a passage in Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41, and we just spent all of this past month, um, what did we get out of September? We spent all of September talking through the book of Nehemiah, and it's this incredible story of, of redemption. It's not a ghost. I know you guys are all scared about how it's, it's not a ghost. It's just the wind. Uh, just letting some air get in here. Um, and so we, we spent this whole last month talking about Nehemiah. And this incredible calling that God had given him to come back and rebuild the walls. And we kind of, I, the book of Isaiah is one of the most important books in the Old Testament. But if you read it, it can kind of be really intense in certain places. And it's hard to understand like a prophetic word and life of this prophet was sharing. And really just to kind of sum up all of the book of Isaiah, it's about salvation. It's really about God redeeming his people. We find so many um, foretelling instances where Isaiah prophesies what would happen hundreds of years later in, and be fulfilled in the Messiah, in Jesus Christ. We see so many things that were fulfilled in that. It was foretold in that. But so much also of what he was saying was about the things that God was doing in their life right then. So prophecy is not just about what's happening way down the road, but sometimes it's happening what right now, and we're going to find that, and I'm going to kind of help us walk through that in Isaiah 41. I really have very simple, two very simple points. You guys know me. I can get down to three, four, five points. I haven't started the 12-point sermon yet. I feel like it's a little bit much, so, um, but we're going to keep this super simple, and if it's too simple for you, go back and read Isaiah and let the Lord speak to you, and it'll be super confusing, um, <laughs> but I hope that that the complexity of our fears can just be calmed by the simplicity and the beauty of God's presence today and the simplicity and beauty of God's love for us today. So let's go to Isaiah 41. And uh, just as we were talking about Nehemiah and, and this journey from, they were exiled, they were deported. The Israelites were deported out of Jerusalem and moved for 70 years. And they, they lived under a, a man named King Nebuchadnezzar and a guy named King Cyrus who's a Persian man, um, came and uh, took over, and he began to lead the people, and he allowed them to go back. And so he's seen as a good king, and so you're going to see 
different things in here about a Persian like good king that God brought him to power to release the people. It says this, Isaiah 41, verse 1. Be silent before me, you islands. When you see the islands or, or those over the sea, it's talking about Gentile, idol-worshiping nations. That's what it's speaking of. Gentile, idol-worshiping nations. And where all, all Christians right here in the Bible Belt say we're a Christian nation, there's a lot of idol worship that happens. And we're not crafting images but they're making them at Apple, you know, <laughs> you know, and they're making them at Sony, and they're making them at the nearest car dealership, and we make idols out of, and at the music store, and everywhere we make these idols, even of people, we make those idols. Be silent before me, you islands. Let the nations renew their strength. Let them come forward and speak, saying, come on, come speak, all you idol worshipers out there. Let us meet together at the place of judgment, like where we'll decide who's real and who's not real. And God's speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Who stirred up one from the east? Talking about the Persian um, uh, ruler, Cyrus. Calling him in righteousness to his service. He hands nations over to him and subdues kings before him. He turns them to dust with his sword, to windblown chaff, or chaff with his bow. He pursues them and moves on unscathed. By, the path, by a path his feet have not traveled before. Who has done this? Who carried it through? Calling forth the generations from the beginning. I, the Lord, with the first of them and with the last. I'm he. I'm the first. I'm the last. He's saying, come on out. All you idol worshipers from all around the world, let's have a, kinda, a, a time to prove who's real. I've been doing this from the very beginning, God's saying. The islands have seen it in fear. I want you to see this with spiritual eyes here. The islands have seen it in fear. The ends of the earth tremble. They approach and come forward. Let me just be honest. Stop right there for a second. The islands have seen it in fear. The ends of the earth tremble. Tremble. They approach and come forward. How many of you, if you're just honest with yourself, like when you hear about the latest thing that happened on the news in the world, have a little bit of fear that comes over you. When you hear about what just happened in Oregon, like, hey, like I, maybe you don't start weeping, and, but there's something in us that happens, and we have to confront a fear that it might be us at some point that are in a room that gets locked, and someone has a gun to our head and says, if you're a Christian, stand up. And then they, I mean, come on, let's be real. That's what happened two days ago. And I, so if you didn't know about that, sorry to be your news source today, but um, there's something that happens in us, and we have to confront those fears on a daily basis, whether it's a, a fear of dying like that, I think that's what this is saying, is that there was political unrest even in Jerusalem at this time. Uh, Assyria had been the, the global kind of power and leader at this time, and, and, and Babylon was taking over, and they had come to this place of power. And so there's this political and international unrest that was taking place then, and, and uh, they, they weren't Christians, but the people of God were being persecuted at that time, much as they are today in the east and here in the west now. The islands have seen it in fear. The ends of the earth tremble, and they approach and come forward. These, these idol worshipers around the world, they come forward, and this is what they begin to say as, as they tremble. Verse 6, they help each other, and they say to their companions, be strong. The metal worker encourages the goldsmith, and the one who smooths with the hammer spurs on the one who strikes the anvil. One says of the welding, it is good. The other nails down the idol, so it will topple. Everything seems like a really kind of positive thing. People are starting to encourage each other, even though they're afraid, right? It sounds good. But wait, 
they're fashioning idols. It's idol worshipers that are encouraging each other to keep on in their evil, to keep on in their idol worship. And if we look at our, our nation and we look around the world, and you don't find me as much of like a national preacher where I'm preaching about every current event. That's not who I am. Um, but I, there's something in this that can speak to the prophetic time that we're living in and the intense life that we are walking through where there's evil surrounding us at every corner, whether it's on the TV or it's in our workplace or wherever it's at. But you, Israel, my servant, and listen to what God says to them. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I've chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth and from the farthest corners I called you. This is not like some future thing. This is not some past thing. This is literally what's happening in their life right then. Like they had been deported and God brought them back together from its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. I've chosen you and not rejected you. I picked up a little treat for my wife the other day because I'm a good husband like that. She's not even in here, you know, to tell you it's true, but um, she's helping in the nursery today. Um, I picked her up this little thing the other day. It's like a mason jar. All the ladies are going to think this is super cute. It's a little mason jar, and it's got a lid on it. It's got a nice little straw, and it's got Minnie Mouse on it with her little bows and a little smile. And on the back, it says, I'm a keeper. Like, isn't that a cute little thing I got from my wife? Yeah. It'd be so much better if we all did it in unison. Oh, see, thank you. I feel better about myself now. <laughs> um, I got that for her, and I think we need to remember that we're a keeper, that we've been chosen, and God's not going to reject us. And I think the first thing, a reason we should not fear in this age and what this verse 1 through 9, I think, says to us is that God's been here, and he cares for us. Like, he's not re- going to reject us. Even we f- when we find ourselves in exile, when we find ourselves facing our fears, when we find ourselves walking through an idol-worshiping nation, why do we not have to fear? Because our God is a God who cares. And whatever that fear is, like the presence of God and, and the honest concern and care of God, I, I believe, can just wrap its arms around us and let us know, like, it's okay. It's okay. Let me speak that in, like, guy terms, since I gave the super cheesy thing. Like some of you guys play fantasy football. How many dudes play fantasy football in the house? Some of you guys. Um, so there you pick, you draft players, right? And so in the first round, um, you pick like all the best players. So I have this one player who's hurt for like most of the season, but he's known as an undroppable player because he's so good. He can't be dropped, right? We have to remember we're keepers. We're undroppable in the Lord's mind that he cares for us so, and even when we're fearful about our financial future, when we're fearful about the future of our, for our children, or whatever it might be, whatever fear we're facing, that God cares. And I think all of creation screams of God's care and concern for humanity. I really believe it does. The next time that you hear a bird singing, and you realize that God fed that bird, and that God cares for me. Be reminded of that. The next time that you scrape your knee and two days later it starts healing, be reminded that God cares for you. The next time you see a little baby that's brought into this earth and and is being nursed by its mother, be reminded that God cares for you. And he has created all of creation to work together to glorify him. And that's why we're called together today is, is to glorify him. But 
I think creation all around us can remind us of how much he cares. There's so many things that we get our focus on that feels like, does God care? Where are you in all of this mess, God? And it's easy to get caught up in that, the pain and just nastiness sometimes of the world that we find our own hearts in, let alone the rest of the world. And I think we can just be reminded that we don't have to fear because God cares. He cares. He's not going to let us, he's not going to drop us. We're a keeper. Okay, so there's the ladies' version and the men's version there. Fear not. Let's continue because I think the kind of the crux of this whole message is right here in verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed or discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Let's just stop there for a second. Just stop there. Don't fear for what? I'm with you. Very simple. <laughs> um, if I sent my son, who he loves roller coasters, he loves to go on a roller coaster. If I sent him by himself, he would be terrified. He'd be peeing his pants like he was in, <laughs> um, he was in like one of those haunted houses. But every time I go with him, he's not afraid. He's not afraid because I'm with him. And he knows that. When we, I ask him to jump in the pool and he's learning to swim, and I ask him to swim by himself, like he's terrified. Like he's like, no, daddy, no, no, no. I have to force him to do it. But when I just say, get on my back, let's ride, you know? And he feels in my presence and he knows that I'm right there. Not this great big gap between us, this big jump that he's got a leap of faith, but literally right there. He's not afraid. And, and so, why do we not need to be afraid? Why do we need to fear not on all these things? One is because he cares. Like He, he genuinely cares. He knows every hair on our head, and he, and he knows the days of ours that might be numbered. And he's present with us. In the midst of that struggle, in the, in the midst of that fear, he's present. And so many times we're so much more tuned in to what's happening around us than the God that's with us. Do not be dismayed. There's several things. There's two I am statements and two I will statements. Two things about who God is and two things about what God will do in our life. Many times we get caught up in what he's going to do. God, where are you at? Where's your righteous right hand right now? Where are you upholding? I feel like I'm sinking. I feel like I'm sinking. Where is this at? There's two things about who he is. I'm with you. I'm your God. There's this ownership, I feel like, in our relationship that we take, we have to take on at some point. Um, I feel like many times our, our Christianity, our faith in Jesus can completely rely on this right here. Like it's reliant on coming together and being encouraged and fellowshipping, and that's incredible, and like that's the way God's created. That, that's good. That, there's a lot of good things that happens here. But if we are solely reliant in our walk with God, on others, like, and we don't realize that we have, like, just direct access to the Father through the Son. Like, I don't have to go into some other environment. I don't have to wait for the high priest to come in, like, make some sacrifices and take me into the Holy of Holies. But I, you, each one of us have access to the Father, like, direct access through Jesus Christ. It, it kind of changes things, and I understand that this is about my relationship, about my relationship. And all this is about just the relationship God's doing in me and how that pours out into others. Israel's weak right now, and they're scared. If you remember back a couple of weeks, we talked about facing adversity, and we talked about just the fear 
that these people, because they were weak, they were like scattered out, they were not qualified for rebuilding the walls, and there was a lot of things that they were really insecure about and really fearful about, and the enemy had poured in all kinds of messages to them, and they were just kind of taking them on themselves, and some of those fears in your own life have been messages of the enemy in your life that you've just taken on and you've made them your own, and I think the only way that we can really let those be cast out is that that perfect love of God, that perfect presence of God come into our life and just let those things dissipate. And sometimes that's a process, okay? Like it's not like, man, God showed up today and it's like, we, sometimes we fight through those things. That's just humanity and the way God's created us, that we learn to walk. We learn to walk in his presence and it's not like just a quick fix, but we constantly realize our desire and need for him and trust him. And if we're afraid, it's okay to say we're afraid, but it's kind of like the John Wayne quote, you know, courage is, you know, being scared to death but saddling up anyway. I think it has some other choice words in there too. But um, I'm your God. I will strengthen you and I'll help you. It's not about what we can do for ourselves, but it's about God strengthening us and helping us. So if you feel weak, it's okay. He's going to be there to strengthen you. Um, but we've got to make him our own and know that he's our God too. I'll uphold you in my righteous right hand. Let's continue. And there's a passionate plea to the poor and the helpless. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. Remember what the scriptures say, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers that are not of this world. So many times the things we're facing that feel like attacks or, or whatever like, just know that God's fighting those battles. Like, you're not even going to be able to find them. For I'm the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand. You don't have to fear. Like, in, in this life, if that happens, like, and, and I can't, honestly, I can't teach this. Like, I can't teach this whole thing about do not be afraid. Because you know, I can just throw this out there and you can walk away with it and be like, that was nice. And then rock it and just, it, it hits you right in the face and you deal with all those fears. Can't teach this enough. Like, it's something that in your relationship that, that direct access that, that you've got to receive from the Lord. I remember a time in my life where God was wrecking me. I was really finally saying yes to the call of full-time ministry. And, it, and that, that season of my life was insane, to say the least. I was a freshman in college and was running probably more from a girl than I was from the Lord, but it kind of was both, and was headed in studying music business. And my first semester of college, I was just emotionally a wreck. Uh, I was fearful about everything, you name it. And I was literally just weeping, coming home from school one day. Like, that's not like the manliest thing to say, but I was literally just weeping and sobbing because I know that this pain, all this pain I was feeling, every insecurity that I was dealing with, God was using and doing something in it to propel me into the future he had for me. And as I remember going home, and I lived in the dorm in my freshman year, and I remember we had this nasty old couch. And I'm not much of a candle lighter. I do like the, the smell, but, but I lit like every candle. It was like this. You know, this reminds me of it. And I just remember burying my face into that Goodwill couch that stank so bad and just wept, and just wept. And I didn't have words to say, but I was so afraid of everything that was happening, every insecurity I was dealing with, because I thought I was super talented at singing and playing, and then I got up there and realized everybody's way more talented than me. I'm doing music business, and it was just all these insecurities. And then I'm super planned out, and I knew every step. I knew I was going to complete this degree and do my MBA, and I knew how, I just, I had it all planned out, and God just starts ripping it all apart. Starts wrecking every part of my life. Just saying, just trust in me. I was so afraid. I buried my head in that stinky couch. 
and just wept. And I didn't have any words to say, but at some point I said, God, I just need your peace. I just need your peace. And if I thought I was crying before, like I know I was crying after because I've never, just very few moments in my life where I've prayed to God directly. And God, for whatever reason, sometimes in my life just answers very fast. Like I ask for it next day, bam, or right in the moment. He can do that. He's that kind of God. <laughs> you know, he parts those seas. And uh, I just felt just, bam, um, the peace of God just come over me. And all I did was ask for it, right? We have not because we ask not. Sometimes we live with these fears from the time we're a child into the time that we're in old age because we never prayed, God, take this from me. And we just take things like, this is my lot in life, right? Like sometimes we just deal with these things. No, I'm just going to be uh, lonely. I'm just going to be an abuser. I'm just going to be addicted. Like we just take these things and these fear that will become our father, will become our mom and dad. We will, all those fear, and we just take those and we carry those through our whole life. And we never say, God, will you take this? I just need your peace. I need you to take this from me. But God cares. And he's present He's a very present help in time of need and comes right into that and casts those things out. And I believe that God wants to do that in this house today. For I'm the Lord your God. You don't, you're not even going to be able to find your enemies because he's going to be doing it for us. Who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. I love the story in, um, in the Old Testament. Moses, his arms are so weak that he can't even hold them up anymore. He was supposed to be holding up this rod couldn't even hold up, and his brother had to come hold his arm up. And, I, and there's things in our life right now where we can't even go to work anymore. We can't even do the routine of going through church anymore because we can't even hold our arms up anymore. And God's saying, I'll hold it up. Don't fear. I'm going to help you one step at a time. Verse 14. Do not be afraid, you worm Jacob. This sounds weird, right? You worm Jacob? Like, what's up with God calling Israel or Jacob a worm, little Israel? Do not fear He's speaking right into every insecurity they have. You want to know what? Because they think they're weak and they think they're little. And he's like, you worm, you think you're a worm? I myself will help you. I'm no worm. I've been here from the beginning. And I'll be here till the end. Declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. See, I will make you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp, with many teeth. You will thresh the mountains and crush them and reduce the hills to chafe. You will winnow them, and the wind will pick them up, and a gale will blow them away. You will rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. What begins to happen right here in these couple of verses is that Isaiah begins to turn his attention. God's message to, to Israel and to us today begins to change attention in, in to these idol worshipers. We kind of, where it goes back, he kind of starts talking about the idol worshiper, idol worshiping nations. He begins to talk about Israel, and then he begins to change his attention again and bringing some of that stuff up. Go back to verse 16. Um, and he's beginning to say this, that all this idol worship, these this things that we put our hope and our trust in, and all these different things that we find ourselves worshiping in our country and across the world, they're going to be like the wind. They're just going to be tossed up, and they're so pointless. If you read into the end of the end of the, the chapter, idol worship is just like the wind. It's just, it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. But you will rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. Verse 17, begins to give this plea to the poor and this heartfelt message to the poor and needy. The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. But I, the Lord, will answer them. Just like I prayed, he'll answer them. 
I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. Just like he said earlier, your keeper. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. That which the, the season you're living in of fear or whatever you're going through, it's not in the next season. He's not talking about taking you to another place. He's saying in that season, in that desert, I'll make springs come forth. In the middle of that fear, I'll make pools and fountains of water. I will put in the desert the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. I will set junipers in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together. I will give you beautiful and useful trees in your life. There's all these different things, and they have all these different purposes in our life. And, and we wonder why different things are happening in our life. We wonder why we're coming to this new church. We wonder why we're meeting these new people. We wonder why we're making a transition from one job to a next. And God's saying, I will put those in the middle of the desert. I will put all these trees that are beautiful, that bring comfort and beauty into our life, and that bring usefulness, things that are useful to our life. All these trees had different uses. So that the people, and this is why, so the people may see and know, may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this, that the Holy One of Israel has created it. Very, very simply today, like why do we not need to fear? Because we serve a God that cares. He genuinely cares. More than what we can think or imagine and because he's present. We don't need to fear because he's present. And I don't know what that fear is, and maybe there's not one right now. Maybe there's not, like, and that's okay. Um, but I bet, I, I just bet, like you can't think of anything to write on your card. I bet sometime during this week, Holy Spirit's going to drop something in your mind on your way home today when you're laying in bed tonight. You're going to feel that come up, and you need to look it in the face. You need to deal with it. Because if not, you're going to be 90 years old, and you're still going to be afraid of it. The Lord wants to set you free from it. His presence, perfect love of God. There is no fear in love, but that perfect love cast out fear. Like, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to just deeper and deeper know the love of God in our life and have it tangibly present where we wouldn't continue in that pattern of fear, whatever it might be. I know the Lord's going to lift those things. And you have your note cards in front of you, and I just want you to, to just write something over the top of it. For, all, all together, the same thing. You have that note card. You have that fear that you wrote down. I want you to write something on it. Got it out. Say, fear not. Because I'm with you. It's a message to yourself over those fears. Fear not. Because I'm with you. That's it. I told you this simple message. Sometimes we can get lost in the sauce trying to figure everything out, trying to put all the pieces together. And I believe God just wants his presence to come into our life and calm every fear that's going on. Fear about the future of your kids or your financial or your career or what you're studying in school or 
the relationship you're in or not in. I believe that God wants to do a, a work on that level of our heart to just remove every fear, to cast out every fear with his perfect love. So I want you to just take that and just stand with me today.